Hey friend, thanks so much for stopping by for some community time around the fire pit. I've got some Tennessee white oak going. I'm going to run inside and get us both a cup of joe. Well, you're listening to Quad Dot Rocks, God the World and Other Things. I'm Kenny Price, your host. Our mission, you got it, advancing equilibrium in the midst of an agitated world. This is Season 10, Episode 219, title, Hitting on All Eight Cylinders. Subtitle, Living the Robust Divine Life. Today is July 4th, 2022. We celebrate the 247th birthday of our nation's independence from Great Britain following the Revolutionary War. Thank you, God, for our nation, and may you be honored and glorified in it in our lifetime. Side note, I'm editing a new video episode for our YouTube channel, Other Things with Diana Boer, which is going to really inspire and encourage you to live a life of excellence. I am personally still going over my conversation with her in my mind. Diana inspires me to do things top shelf in honor to God. Hopefully, I'll get it posted by the end of this week. In the last podcast, I talked about living the separated life, which has to do with our focus and our attention squarely placed on God in heaven and all other entities, abstracts, and distractions holding no sway on our attitudes and actions. But living a separated life does not mean living a lean life of self-flagellation, which means to whip yourself or beat yourself, and deprivation. In some religions, people go to such lengths to show contrition that at certain times of the year they will walk through the streets whipping themselves until they are bloody and scarred. I've actually seen numerous news stories in the past where men so wanting to show devotion to Christ that they allow themselves to be nailed to a cross. Not exactly in the same deadly way that Jesus was nailed, but extremely painful and dangerous nonetheless. Or people that practice extreme asceticism to show their separation to God. That means going to great lengths of deprivation. The devotion of people who will go to such extremes to prove their separateness to God are at best well-intended, but that is not the life that Jesus has for his disciples to live. To use an automotive term, God has designed you and me at our best when we are living the separated life for him to hit on all eight cylinders. When you say that a car is hitting on all eight cylinders, that's referring to a V8, a motor which has eight pistons, eight cylinders, that the engine is under the proper controlled combustion and all the piston cylinders are working in proper firing order. If your car engine's pistons are working in proper firing order, then you're receiving the maximum energy transference to your transmission and drivetrain so that your car moves at the greatest power and speed possible for that engine size. I once had a Cadillac STS, which was a four-door sedan with a large V8 North Star engine. The North Star engine was a powerhouse motor. It was somehow squeezed under the hood of a low-slung four-door luxury sedan. At the time my car year was released, its power performance rivaled that of the Corvette. For its size, it was amazingly fast and could cruise at very high speeds with little hint at just how fast you were traveling. One day I noticed that the car did not seem to have the pep it usually did, so I, I decided to change the spark plugs and electrical wires since it had been some time since I had done that preventative maintenance. I finished the job, started the car, and still things were not as they should be. Something just wasn't right. I talked around and someone recommended I check the coil packs. The idea of separate coil packs, meaning the component that sends the electrical charge to the spark plug, 
which detonates the gasoline in an individual cylinder, was new to me. The person told me that my Cadillac had four coil packs so that one coil pack controlled the detonation of two engine cylinders. I took my timing light and began to check all the spark plug wires to make sure they were firing correctly. As I checked each wire, I came to a wire that had no signal running through it. I checked the second wire that worked off that same coil pack and it had no signal. Just to make sure that the problem was with the coil pack and not in the wiring, I swapped out a good coil pack for the bad one. The wires worked perfectly, so I finally figured out that it was a bad coil pack. But what was unbeknownst to me was that two of the cylinders were actually dead. In other words, only six cylinders were firing in that V8 Cadillac engine. What a difference in performance the new coil pack made on the car. So question, did Cadillac design that car to run on six or eight cylinders? Of course, the answer is eight. Let me ask you this. Do you think that it is God's will that you and I live the divine life in a lean or robust fashion? To quote the great British preacher Charles Haddon Spurgeon, he said, Why should not every year be richer than the past in love and usefulness and joy? I quoted John 10.10 many times in this podcast where Jesus tells us that he has come to give us life and life abundantly. Though we all want comfort and peace, which are two blessings and outgrowths of a life separated to God that's hitting on all eight cylinders, we too often come up short. We come up lean instead of fat in the spiritual department. Fat being a term to describe the fully healthy and robust, overflowing life with the blessing of God's almighty grace at work in us. This podcast came about as a result of Spurgeon's devotion for the morning of July 3rd. As I read each sentence, it hit home in my heart and soul in a major way. If you don't use his daily devotions, I encourage you to check out the original text for this podcast found on morning July 3rd. His focus for this devotion springboards off of the verse in Genesis 41.4 that describes the terror dream the Pharaoh had when he saw the cattle that were, as he says in the Old English, the ill-favored and lean-fleshed kind did eat up the seven well-favored and fat kind. Spurgeon writes, Pharaoh's dream has too often been my waking experience. He says, my days of sloth have ruinously destroyed all that I had achieved in times of zealous industry. My seasons of coldness have frozen all the genial glow of my periods of fervency and enthusiasm. And my fits of worldliness have thrown me back from my advances in the divine life. In stark transparency, the great Spurgeon reveals to us a strong self-evaluation, and he does not give himself a glowing report. In this I find encouragement, that regardless of how successful a person is in their walk with the Lord, there can be times when we all feel that we are living the lean, divine life. It's humbling to admit, but all of us must confess that there are times we do fall short, we do come up lean. The good news is it is not God's will that our life be a constant downgrade and loss. It's not His fault we are lean. Charlie Brown is a sweet cartoon kid, but he rose to fame by being the proverbial underdog who's always under the situations of life, never really soaring or winning, never living the fat life. At times, we all suffer from slothfulness, which is laziness, which is the opposite of zealous industry. Sometimes we all suffer from coldness, which is a loss of fervency and enthusiasm. 
Some ways to battle the spiritual coldness is, first of all, to come to fresh understanding of the situation we all find ourselves in in this present age. This is not the 1950s of Ward and June Cleaver, the sitcom parents on the vintage TV show Leave it to Beaver, where the biggest threat they faced was the beeve getting stuck in the three-dimensional coffee cup up on the billboard or his head getting caught in the railings of the staircase. Crime is at an all-time high. Most people's love has grown cold. And people that you do nice things for will plot to do something mean to you right in the middle of your act of kindness. I could give many real-life examples. I had written out several of these for this episode to drive home the point that we must change to maintain our personal safety and health in the midst of an agitated world. But it's depressing, so I'm not going to cover those. But my friend, in an economy where the 4th of July food bill, and this is straight out of the news, is up 17% over last year, Desperate people will do desperate things. To push back against the weirdness and provocative behavior of others in this pressure cooker world, we have to change if we're going to continue to love and carry out the gospel ministry in this wild west town, in the midst of a very dangerous war zone. If not, our propensity is to become cold. That means loss of ministry, and that's not God's way. What does it look like to battle off the cold? It may mean hosting a Bible study at a local beautiful coffee shop or at the local gym or at the city park instead of the privacy of your own home. It may mean hosting children Bible studies online, a public park, weather permitting, or an open public space like a city gym. We have to adapt to the new rules that are being set by this increasingly wicked world if we're going to get the job done and not give a foothold to the devil to destroy our lives or develop cold hearts. In spite of these fundamental changes, this is the most exciting time in history to be alive. We just can't grow cold and withdraw, and we can't continue to carry out the gospel ministry through the forms of another day. Spurgeon talks about the days of sloth, my seasons of coldness, and my fits of worldliness. Worldliness instead of living the divine life. The divine life is something specific and unique that is lived totally in the presence of Almighty God. But it is real, it is specific, and it is knowable. The divine life is a phrase Spurgeon uses, and it is robust and full of inspiration. In all my years in theological training and mentorship, I don't recall anyone using this term. But to pursue the divine life instills excellence and the experience of heaven in the here and now. Spurgeon gives us hope of recovery and restoration to the robust divine life God intends for us to live. Advances in the divine life come through robust prayers, robust praises, robust duties, and robust experiences. We need to beware of lean prayers, lean praises, lean duties. And by duties, you think about this. This is a word we use, but do we really understand what we mean? A duty is a moral or legal obligation. It's a task or an action someone is required to perform. Friend, we have duties to God. We have duties to ourselves. And we have duties to others. They're obligations and they're real. The way it presently works in our culture is that most things are viewed as options and not duties. But as humans created to exercise work and care under the authoritative Almighty God, we are found to have duties that we're responsible for things that God has said that we are supposed to do that are not options. We need to be aware of lean experiences. And friend, this may seem in diametric opposition to living the separated life. 
But experience is practical contact with and observation of facts or events. People today are having meaningful experiences stolen away by keeping their face in their cell phones. It's absolutely a ploy of Satan in order for us to have lean experiences which do not enrich our peace and our comfort. Robust experiences minister to our soul at the core level where our inner person is comforted and given peace. Our God in heaven wants us to enjoy robust experiences. He wants us to contact and observe events to the fullest, but not at the expense of a robust prayer life, not at the expense of a robust praise life, which honors and glorifies Jesus Christ, or our spiritual and earthly duties. It is when the first three are neglected and are lean at the expense of the pursuit of endless celebration that our robust experiences become sin. But there is everything right with seeking to get the most out of every experience in every possible way within the confines of Scripture and righteous living. Not riotous living, but righteous living. We do need to beware of lean prayers, lean praises, lean duties, and lean experiences. If we neglect prayer for even the slightest moment, we lose all the spirituality to which we had attained. As Spurgeon puts it, if I draw no fresh supplies from heaven, the old corn in my granary is soon consumed by the famine which rages in my soul. What a word picture. If I draw no fresh supplies from heaven, the old corn in my granary is soon consumed by the famine which rages in my soul. When the caterpillars of indifference, the canker worms of worldliness and canker worm chew small holes on leaves, the feeding can cause complete defoliation of a tree. A mature, strong tree can survive one to two seasons of complete defoliation, but more than three years of canker worm feeding can cause the branches to die. So when the caterpillars of indifference, the canker worms of worldliness, and the palmer worms of self-indulgence, a palmer worm is a caterpillar that suddenly appears in great numbers devouring herbage. But when we see this decrease in this devastation of indifference, of worldliness, and self-indulgence, it lays our hearts completely desolate and makes our soul languish. Languish means to weaken or waste away. All of our former fruitfulness and growth in grace avails us nothing whatever. Indifference, worldliness, and self-indulgence three pests that will destroy our hearts and weaken our souls. Friend, we should be zealous to have no lean-fleshed days, no ill-favored hours. I ask you, can we really afford even one lean-fleshed day, one day of waste? Backsliding leaves us far off from the prize of our high calling, and it robs us of the advances which we had so laboriously made. The only way in which all our days can be as the fat kind is to feed them in the right meadow, to spend them with the Lord, in His service, in His company, in His fear, and in His way. If we are hitting on all eight cylinders with the Lord, every year should be richer than the past in love and usefulness and joy. With each day we live, we're nearer to our ultimate reward in heaven. We've had more experience with our Lord, and we should be more like Him. Our prayer should be, O oh Lord, keep me far from the curse of leanness of soul. Let me not have to cry, my leanness, my leanness, woe to me. 
but may I be well fed and nourished in your house that I may praise your name. And with that, my friend, I bid you peace. Peace.